Hello and welcome to the Press the Action Button podcast where one nerd and one ponce on the heath talk about the things that they enjoy. My name is Newman. You call me? I didn't call you that. I said one. No one knows if it's you or me. I don't even know what the word is. A ponce on the heath. I, that doesn't explain anything anymore. Look it up. <laughs> anyway, my name is Yusuf. How are you doing? Well, and grand, and grand. Um, and just to say, today we are going to do um, one of my favorite games. I'm so used to saying, you know, my top 10 games that I figured soon I'm going to run out of 10 games and there's going to be more than 10 in my top 10. So I'm going to say in my top 20 games, but also if there was like an award ceremony for the games that I like, this would win an award. So that's how I put it. Would that award be number 20 in the list of top 20? <laughs> no, something like funniest and most enjoyable game, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's but, hard, yeah exactly but how are you what have you been doing Good. well do you want to tell people what the game is inside you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> well I apologise people it's a mystical ninja starring Gowan yes very good um, yeah I'm good I'm doing well sorry I'm doing quite quite good I just had a big stack of pancakes that I ordered which is quite nice you 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 ordered them yeah 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 for like a breakfast place that do it really yeah. deliver oh. it was really okay. Yeah. Weird, uh, weird time to be having pancakes. What do you mean? Because it's not Pancake Tuesday. Just for breakfast. Well, it's not even breakfast time. This is lunchtime. Yeah, yeah well, I pancakes for more for mm. than breakfast. I had breakfast. Um, mm. It's like a nice little cafe place that's down the road that do breakfast things where every once in a while, like we used to go out there and get like a nice thing, but we haven't gone in a while. Uh, it's a shame. Uh. Uh, the guy who... It's it's not like a chain. The guy who owns it's just a really really nice guy, really polite guy, um, and clearly like he's been struggling and stuff like that. So we're like, oh sure, we'll get some pancakes and have a little treat or whatever. And I'm mm. very full and I may no. fall asleep. <laughs> that is not a good, uh, you know, that, that doesn't sound good, Yusuf, for a podcast. You have to get your energy levels up. Come on, got have the a coffee. Calories that are going to keep me going for ages. Yeah. Okay. Well, luggish pancake pace. <laughs> How does um? delivery work i mean is it just anyone can do it and they get paid by the restaurant or or you know do you pay for them what do you mean do I, am i paying the service yeah are you paying them directly delivery to, to send it to you it's kind of like you do a true delivery right um so you like it's all on their on their website so i guess the thing is if you don't have a website where you can order stuff through and you don't organize and do whatever you do it the restaurant will get like a little notification to start cooking and stuff. And then a delivery driver will show up. Mm. Um, and then uh, in whatever you're charging, they, they actually introduced an extra service charge recently, which you're paying for a delivery. When it was like two quid or something. And I think they, I think both like generally they make their profits from um, getting a cut that the restaurant are getting, which is, uh-huh. you know, right now is quite good because obviously they can't sell it to anybody because nobody can mm. use their side. So, they're doing it that way. Yeah, this stuff never really kind of kicked off in the same way in Ireland, did it? There's a few of them, um, but it, like it, you obviously have to live within close distance of the place, but I just never knew how it worked and you know if they could be making enough money to make it sustainable. But here's a question for you. Why does every bike courier have dreadlocks? I don't know. I don't know any that do. <laughs> you don't know any that do? I don't know any that don't. Every time I, 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 I'm in town, I see they always have dreadlocks. I mean, you're one stop. You used to have dreadlocks. 
Uh, don't bring that up, please. <laughs> <laughs> do not go there. Yes, I did have dreadlocks and I regretted it. Um, fortunately, I have sallow skin, so I didn't look absolutely ridiculous. I did. No, you weren't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you weren't a complete yeah. white guy. I was, I was rebelling against the system, Yusuf. You should know. You, you, you were just such a good boy for your whole life. You never went on the dark side like me. Yeah, that strict system that we had <laughs> of almost complete freedom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you have to rebel against something. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say to you? Yeah, actually, I got um, th- thigh yesterday, and I haven't got, uh, gotten it for a while. And uh, they have their own website. And instead of, um, you know, usually I do give the driver a tip, you know, yeah. um, and they had a thing on it where it was like tip. And I, so I said, oh, okay. So they must be doing contactless delivery and I give my tip to the driver here. So like I I put three euro down or whatever and I was like, okay. But it didn't say anywhere driver tip. And then when he came to the door, he was kind of, you know, I don't know. he Yeah, lingering and handing it directly to me. So I was like, I I wasn't going to ask him. I was like, okay. And just shut the door awkwardly. But, you know. You were in charge of that or not. Yeah, I mean, a restaurant would hardly be asking you for a tip on takeaway, would they? I mean, it should they, go. They put it, I mean, places do do that. You know what I mean? Like when you, sometimes if you go to a kind of place where you go up to a counter, they've got like a little thing there, a little tip jar, which like, I don't mind the idea of, of kind of tipping somebody if they're not, you know, if they prepared something that was really good or whatever. But I think like a lot of places just use it to sort of top up the salary of, of their staff. You know what I mean? Yeah, which isn't fair. Which is horrible, you know what I mean? And, if they're doing yeah. that. Yeah. And that's why I'm actually against the drones doing delivery. Because, yeah, like, it's it's handy and all that. But, like, you know, people need that money. And, like, you know, people who are del- delivering your food are usually, you know, they're not Irish most of the time, you know, so. Yeah, you know, well, uh, well, there is kind of an idea that as we get, and this is a very real representation of, like, robots taking jobs if, it, if it's drones. Yeah. But um, they're saying that eventually they think they're just going to have to be a sort of um, universal kind of credit thing where if most jobs are replaced by uh, robots, um, the government is just going to have to fund people. So they're going to have to give them money to just live normally because there won't actually be enough jobs for people to uh, to do. Like they think that's mm. a possibility. Which, I mean, I mean, there's so many things involved in that. But uh, like... It's it's not that insane. That could be something that might happen. Where I mean, mm. maybe not. There's no jobs, but it might be pretty limited. Yeah. Well, I I I do believe that'll happen. But at the same time, if you ever read like you know books from the eighties, it's like in the year two thousand twenty, we'll be yeah. living on the moon. It's like yeah. <laughs> no, we're stuck in our houses. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of <laughs> the idea of what things uh, would be. But I mean, it depends on what is or isn't kind of you know tech is possible because i mean like we could have had electric cars like in the 70s you know the technology existed the, the route just didn't go down that way yeah well the route didn't go down because there's vested interest burning people's houses down and you know oh, yes. look looking through newspapers with holes in the eyes of people in parks and slashing people's tires all that kind of you know the petrol mafia did you ever them. see um what you call it i think it's called Barunga. It's a documentary on Netflix. No, never heard of it. It is brilliant and it's really, really sad. Um, So it is about this kind of tribe in, not tribe, like a village in Congo, I believe it is, 
Um, and part of that is like a nature reserve. And underneath it, they find oil. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's BP or Shell, but it's this oh. company. And they, and they show up and they're like, hey, we want to like buy the land. And they're like, hey, look, we'll build roads, we'll build hospitals and schools, it'll be great for you. And the people who were there were just going, no, look, we've seen this happen to other areas. We're not interested, you know. Mm. We, other places get this stuff and they think it's going to be good and it's never good. So mm. we just like our way of life the way it is. We like fish from this lake here. We do whatever. And it's like, okay. So they leave it be. And then like loads of documentaries done to these like undercover cameras are like pinned to people's bodies and stuff like that. And the oil company of billionaires they like hire these poachers to kill the endangered animals in the um, in the reserve because they think, well, if there's no endangered animals there, it's easier to get rid of the reserve. And they also like give weapons to like a militia to like overthrow the people in the village and stuff like that. Like oh. they kill endangered animals and like shoot people out of a village so that they can uh, dig for oil. And it's it's so weird because it's done to like these camera things and it's just these like there's these different people who are coping with it in their own ways. Like there's this one guy who's, he's kind of trying to normalize it. It's this one kind of poacher um, guy who's done some dodgy things. And he's like, well, you know, if we don't do it, just somebody's going to do it. You know, it's like the responsibility isn't really on us. And then there's this other guy who's done it for a bit longer. And he's like, you're lying to yourself. We're the bad guys. It's like, I know I'm a bad guy. I know this is morally a wrong thing to do. I've accepted mm. that. And you're lying to yourself if you haven't. And this entire thing is like being recorded by like this undercover reporter um and like and they did it and they got away with it and as far as i'm aware they're still like drilling for oil there and stuff like that um but yeah it's really really horrible it's just these incredibly violent destructive things are doing to environments to people's lives to ecosystems uh to economic systems and stuff like that other places as well just to make more millions it's uh, that kind of stuff just makes me sick like that those companies and like big pharma you know it's just morally it's so wrong i mean i mean how much money is enough you know seriously i mean how much money is enough for you if you're a millionaire or a billionaire how much more do you want you know like at what stage do you say this isn't making me happy or you know it's just i i don't understand this like it's like it's like an addiction like just to get more and more money yeah and you know i mean i don't know it's it really is depressing when when you just see human greed unleashed in like society and you know how it it just basically dehumanizes everybody that's in the way uh just to get more money you know it's just but anyway i think you're right i think it is addiction you know i think it, it is something mm. that people can't really help themselves and if you ever see there's a couple of these videos that were making a big deal around the time that um jeff bezos was making like his billions i think he's near a trillion or worse mm. near a trillion and they were showing like if if grains of rice were like hundreds of grand how many of them would have to be there for it to be a million mm. and then how many of it would be for a billion and it's mm because it's just it's a, it's like a billion isn't a number we really comprehend we just think of it as a lot you know mm. we think of it being like oh it's like a hundred million it's like it's not <laughs> it's mm. more and when you see it in these piles of this of this rice like the, the piles are massive and mm. you know and he's got more than one billion he's got multiple billions so when you just see it in this thing and you're just looking at what if one grain of rice was like a hundred thousand and that could like change my life forever you know, and these people have this amount of money. It's just, it's not, it's not comprehensible. What it mm. is. like as humans, we're not really able to understand that because it's more than we can deal with. 
Mm, yeah. And like really, you know, having traveled like, you know, to a lot of places all over the world, you'd actually see the people who are the most down to earth and, you know, who have the least are typically the most happy. You know, they're always smiling. And I think, yeah. you know, people get locked into that um, materialism here in the West. Oh, if I just have this or if I just have that, like, you know, and we're all guilty of it. But I mean, you know, you have, if you, at least you should realize it and, you know, yeah. come away from it and say, you know, they say that this the isn't happy, right. The happiest people in uh, like countries. Well, it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of measure. But, mm. you know, generally, if you look at the people who are just, you know, the most content in their day to day life and what they're doing. It's, mm. It doesn't matter how actually poor or rich they are, but it depends on the equality of wealth. So if people are poor, but everyone's poor, they're pretty happy. If everyone, if it's like a Scandinavian country where generally people are pretty well off, they're all pretty happy. Um, it's only places where there's a huge wealth divide where people aren't happy because it's not, yeah. you know, there, there is a lot of money here, you know, and, and then yeah. with that kind of becomes like greed and defensiveness and, you know, um, sort of measuring of people and it just mm. people are kind of the, the saddest and and it's not a thing of like oh the poor people are sad because they don't have anything even the wealthy are sadder like it, it doesn't make them happier when they're in these kind of uh, places where other people don't have anything yeah well i think connection and community like genuineness is kind of is, does a, goes a long way for making people happy but um yeah we don't want to talk about this yeah. kind of thing really but i have a question for you why is it that every time we do a podcast there's a siren going off behind you where, where do you live there is like a police training thing near me and, all right um, and i think they do one i think they just go turn around just for you know to get around and they also do like drills and stuff so every once in a while you see like five black suvs going out in a straight line and there's like loads of, uh, you know, motorbikes in front of them and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, what's going on? And then we came to realize pretty quickly, there's nobody in them. I think they're just doing training. Uh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's really weird because as you're walking by, you can hear them doing like their kind of graduation ceremonies or whatever. And there's like a drill sergeant there and he's like yelling and stuff about, you know, stand up, tension. And it's just like, and you look into the th- to like the little gaps and you're going, this is like quite military training for a police station. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they're planning to take over. Maybe, maybe. it's going to be like the last of us. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, let's get away from the grim thing, as you said. <laughs> yes, yes. And this is exactly why we uh, chose to do Mystical Ninja starring Goemon yes, uh, yes. today, because it's a lighthearted game. It's Before incredibly we do, fun. Yes. We have an email. No, we don't. Hang on a second. We do have an email. All right, got it. Okay, okay, okay. So, an email here from an anonymous listener who only goes by the title of The Truth Seeker. Now, this email is titled Liar Exposed. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hi, lads. Love the show. But I couldn't help but notice some of the lies spouted by Newman recently. (laughs) In the Broken Sword episode, he argues Tom Hanks isn't a good actor based on his voiceover skills. Yet, in the very next episode, very next in capitals, he is waxing lyrical about Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. Please play the audio file attached as evidence. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to just play this <laughs> MP3 that's attached here. Hey, baby, my nose is getting big. I know this would be going when I be telling the fibs now. You what? said your trust is getting weaker. Probably because my lies just started getting deeper. 
And the reason for my confession is that I learned my lesson and I really think you ought to know the truth because I lied and I cheated and He's not acting that. He's just doing his voice. He doesn't yeah, but he, I mean, you can't judge him as an actor by voice by his voice. Okay, so I'm going to play some of the clips from the voice acting in this game. Which is probably one of the standout points of the game. The voice clips are just fantastic um, and tell us a lot about the story. <laughs> you know, there's definitely real emotions channeling this. It's done so well, you know, it is just like a movie. Incredibly powerful emotional performance. <laughs> that is, um, you know, absolutely incredible performances by Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Listen. Yes, thank Truth- you very much, Truthseeker, for your... Do you care to respond, new one? I do, truth seeker, and I, this is what I'm going to tell you: is that listen, there's a huge, there's a huge difference between playing Joel and Ellie, who are two grown characters, adults in a serious movie, and they actually have mocap suits on and they're moving around, mocap, even I'm shortening it now, and and a guy playing a toy cowboy. Are you? And he, he's not doing the movements. Tom Hanks. You said the voice acting is great. Like, yeah, but uh, but she's a voice of a toy. He's not. He's not a. He's not a full person. He's not a real person. He's a toy. But his emotions are real when he thinks he's losing his uh, his whole reason for being is Andy. <sighs> the only emotion he has is running after Andy. That's it. And that's sad. And now he's got pride, and that gets taken away from him. Guys, I don't know why everyone loves Tom Hanks so much. I seriously don't like uh, people. I've heard people compare him to, oh, what's that? The female actress. She's amazing. She's in Death Becomes Her. And, um, oh, what's her head? She is in The Devil Wears Prada. Um, hang on. It is Meryl Streep. Yes. Ah. people have compared him and her to being like the male and female versions of each other she is so much better than him she's an amazing actress and um i don't i just i don't no sorry tom i've tried i wanted to like it i just can't and i i don't think this should be a running thing Uh, there's other actors i don't like too if you want to hear about them so you know i didn't well i mean look i'm just here to give a voice to the truth seeker and I think... Yeah, a very I, personal voice. I don't want to speak on behalf of Truthseeker. But no, you I seem think, to be. I think the point that they're making is that um, you just don't like Tom Hanks and you want to discredit a film that you know is good um, because uh, you don't like him. What film? Toy Story. Toy Story is an okay movie. It's not great. People go mad about it. It's okay. I actually agree today. I think... I think that there's much better Pixar films. I think Wall-E yeah. is better. Yeah. Wall-E is yeah. Uh, Bolt is better. Is that Pixar? No, that's DreamWorks, isn't it? No, right. There's lots of good Pixar movies. There is. Okay. What about uh, right. Up? Yeah, I love Up. Yeah, Up is fantastic. And Moana. So, yeah. That was brilliant too. What was it? Moana. Is that, that Pixar? 
Or maybe that's DreamWorks. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. But I'll tell you who else I don't like. The guy who plays Venom. I couldn't watch him for more than 10 minutes. I was like, oh, what are you doing? Tom Hardy? Get off. Yes. I like Tom Hardy. No. Have you seen Venom? No. He was unwatchable in the first 10 minutes. And I love Venom as a kid. I was like, this is going to be fantastic. Um, that, had a, that had a lot of problems. Apparently, they were going to make it like... Because he's a villain and he's meant to be quite a, you know, uh, violent you know, villain. Um, so I think they kind of set it up to be like a more of a 15s or 16s rated kind of film. And then they shot it with that in mind. And then mm. kind of at the end, they just kind of cut out bits. So I think it, it sort of, there were just some scenes that just, they didn't really make sense. And they sort of, uh, like there's meant to be a scene where it's like, oh, and now here's like a fight or here's like some blood on the ground or here's a body or here's something like that. And they just like cut it out. So I think it just mm. like, it, it kind of had a lot of those problems of they didn't know what film they were making. They weren't really sure if it was because they couldn't get past the fact of going comic book films are for kids and kids will, you know, they won't go see it if it's 16. So we have to make it whatever. Um, Mm, It's awful. Yeah. And I I heard that spider guy as well. The new guy. What's his name? Spider-Man. Is that his name? Tom Holland? Yeah. And I, I I thought he was, I thought he was excellent in uh, the Avengers and stuff. I was like, Oh, this guy's really believable. Yeah. As an American, you know, as an American, then I heard him on a talk show, and he had the thickest English accent I've ever heard, and I was like, "Oh no, I don't know what it was." In my head, I was like convinced he was American, which shows he's a good actor, but I did not expect that accent to come out of his mouth. Okay, so what you're saying, you don't like him because he can do a good accent? <laughs> no, he just sounded kind of too into himself on this on this interview, and you know, I was just like, "No, you know, if you were quiet and humble, I would have liked you more." God, like, I mean, I can't say because I didn't listen to the interview, but I'm going to assume you were <laughs> you were just making a judgment on something that you didn't like about him. Someone else did that for me as well. What's his name? The guy in The Greatest Showman. Not Hugh Jackman. Zach Efron. Um, I haven't seen much with him, really. He's a great singer. I mean, a fantastic singer. And, uh, you know, I, when I heard him in an interview, I was like, oh, no, you've ruined it. I loved you. You've ruined it. Anyway, look, let's go out to Goemon. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, which is what the podcast is about, not about the actors I don't like. If people on a list of actors I do like, they include people like Denzel Washington, I think he's fabulous. Uh, Tom Selleck, unusually, I think he's very natural. Uh, <laughs> Anybody else from uh, maybe this generation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else? I love Will Smith. Will Smith's my boy. Um, especially in I Am Legend, love that one. Um, but anyway, okay. So, there's, if people want to know about the actors I do like, just let me know and I'll let you know. Um, Nobody so, wants. To know. <laughs> well, I have the feeling someone's going to write in next week with another clip, you know, of making me sound like an idiot. So, you know, there was there was very little editing in that, by the way. <laughs> it's just yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought you had the wrong tape there when it was playing. I was like, okay. Um, all right, so Mystical Ninja Star and Goemon. Yes. This was a game that we rented, um, and I, I can tell you why we rented it because um, just looking at the cover, it was all Japanese and it was all amazing looking, and that's that was a sell for me. That's it, you know. Yeah. Um, but this is actually a game that um, I, when I started my job um, uh, two two and a bit years ago, like they had me doing absolutely nothing for the first two or three months. 
Uh, I'd say two months. And I had nothing to do. So I took up collecting N64 games and selling boxes online. What? I didn't know this. Yeah, sure did. Because... We used to have an N64 and I looked everywhere in mom's house and it's, it wasn't there. And I'm convinced Omar gave it to one of his friends. Absolutely convinced because I seem to remember that somehow. But anyway, so then I had to buy an N64 because I, I needed to and I wanted to. And yeah, um, wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and I was on eBay and I had a, a lot of the games. And it, I tell you, it was a really enjoyable experience. I mean, I was spending a lot of money, which wasn't good, but, you know, bidding on stuff, putting in your reserves, you know, all these old retro games. And the weird thing was that um, uh, some, someone bought a box off me. Yeah. Know? yeah. And they paid like 22 euros for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that surprised. It's crazy. But um, yeah, so I was sending out kind of games I didn't want um, and like, you know, boxes. And then at lunch, I'd go to the post office and send them off. But um, this was a game that I bought during that time. And I, I tell you what, I put the reserve damn high because I was uh, that's how much I wanted it. And uh, I remember playing it as a kid and I was like, this is this is everything that I love rolled into a game. It's, do, you, um, do you still have it? I do, yeah. I played it. I finished it. Uh, I didn't finish it. I got very close to the end, um, like the year before last. That's when I got it first. But I played nearly all of it. Um, um, It's fantastic. And like I say, it's everything I love in a game. It's a platformer. Yeah. It's it's on the N64, which is already a plus. Uh, It and it it's 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 Japanese turned up to eleven. It's so Japanese that I'm amazed that it was released outside of Japan. Absolutely amazed. Well, this is the most you game I can imagine because it's got this really weird humor. It's really (laughs) Japanese. It's from the 90s. (laughs) Stopped making this series of games 15 years ago. Not even this one. Like the most recent version of these games was 15 years ago. Um, No, that's just in Europe, my friend. Still going strong in Japan. Japan. Yeah, but as like pachinko games. Pachinko? Yeah. What's that mean? It's like these little slot machines you play with like a little ball. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So that's like they're they're like of a video game on a console. The last one came in 2005. Mm. Um, And there was about 24 of whatever different versions of these games that came out like from um, starting from like the 1986 going on to 2005. And I think only five of them were released in uh, were released outside of Japan. That was very much the kind of game you would choose to do this show. You've just ruined one of my quiz questions. I'm gonna to have to come up with something else there. Um, <laughs> so what what's no, your memory of this game then? Is it what's my what? Your, your main memory of this game then? Um, how wacky it was, how funny it was, how colorful it was, how Japanese it was. Right, okay, okay. So just the kind yeah. of general feel of it, the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I mean, this is a game I'd like to live in for short periods of time. If I could just go up to a room or maybe the attic and just, you know, put on a headset and be in that place and listen to that Japanese music and walk around throwing coins and attaching to things with my pipe. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would love to do. Um, I'm sure you can get some nice Goemon, uh, like, decorations. You can put it up around the room. I love Goemon. It's like Hello Kitty. I love Hello Kitty. I just love the aesthetic of it. I don't know what it is. It's like Shin-chan, you know? I like yeah. him too. It's just that Japanese-y, cutesy, but also 
I don't know. It excites me for some reason. It's a. Uh, it's very weird. It's very very Japanese, and that's kind of. I think that's kind of the story of this game as a whole. Like from like not the, the not the actual plot, uh, but I mean the actual, the development of it, how it did with ratings, how it did, how it played, um, why people love and don't maybe don't like it. It's just it is very. It's it's like those weird Japanese prank shows you see where it's just like all oh, sound effects and all things happen. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I yeah I could keep keep in my head like Romani thinking of that episode of The Simpsons where it's like you reward knowledge whereas we punish ignorance. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's it, this is I love the way I mean there's so many things that I love about this game that they just didn't change for the, for the western audience you know I, yeah. I do think it's a miracle that it was released I think only a couple I was a 50,000 were sold in the US so it's a relatively rare game um, yeah. yeah and I tried to buy the second one as well I'd never played that in real life but the, there's one before this on the SNES which I, I really like the look of two of them actually that were released here or no they weren't released here one was and they're like platformers but also kind of RPG-esque I, that's yeah. a, a game I really want to play so I'm going to make sure i can i could find it and play it but um yeah i just um i love how japanesey it was um so that's obviously a big plus for me but there's lots of funny things up the game that we'll get into what do you remember much of it i don't do you i remembered so little about this game what i really? remember about it was um i remembered the pipe as a weapon and i remembered the giant robot fight and that ah, is- yeah Impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, how you have to say it every time. It, translated in English, it's impact people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a completely bicycle. But the more I research about this game, the more I look at it, I don't understand how it wasn't absolutely massive. It this this is not just a funny game. This is a feckin' amazing game. Yeah. Honestly, I played it two years ago and I was like, I did I didn't want to put it down. And I can't say that. For, maybe Mario 64, I can say that, you know, still. But yeah, yeah. very few games that are still. And, and it's so polished and it's so well done. And it's so like, there's so many different areas. And, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing game. But like, you know, you, you talk about like, the, we'll go into it, but there are some similarities between this and Mario. But, you know, this sold 200,000 copies worldwide. Whereas Mario 64, which is one of the best games ever, sold nearly mm-hmm. 12 million I yeah. do not understand that divide. It should not be as big as it is. Like no. Um I no. think there's a couple of reasons why I I think it is, but um like it's it's it is insane because there is not that gap of quality between them and not especially because you're gonna go, Oh Mario is big and it does its you know, it brings loads of things to the table for the first time and just you know, this new era of 3D gaming and everything like that. You know, going on this really similar stuff. Yeah, I, I don't think they marketed it very much, and probably back then, the, the, how Japanese it was didn't, uh, you know, go down well with some people. But um, I, 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 a lot of people have, you know, um, likened it to Zelda and and Mario sixty four, uh, kind of somewhere between those two. Um, it's it's really an amazing game, and I love the color palette as well. Um, it's it's beautiful to look at, beautiful to be in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, do you, do you have something on the development of it? Because I didn't look up any of that stuff. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go into it. So it's, it, it is exactly what you were saying there. Where So it, it was released um, in Japan originally in 97. Um, and then it kind of got an EU and uh, kind of worldwide release in 98, April 98. Um, so it was after Mario 64 and it was before Legend of Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time. 
and it kind of did exist. And lots of people were saying, this is your stopgap before Zelda comes out, if you want to play that kind of 3D roaming kind of game. Mm-hmm. So it's called Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, but it's a series of games known as the Ganbare Goemon series, which, as we said, most of them weren't released outside of Japan. In total, yeah. 20 odd ones. Um, I think this. Do you, do you know what Ganbare means? Oh, it means let's go, go Goemon, isn't it? It kind of means that. I, I, I've heard, I, you know, as I listen to lots of Japanese music, the term, the word Ganbare is used so much. I hear it all the time, that and Kokoro. And like, I think it it's kind of means like fight on or like, you know, let's go. It's kind of like this, you know, charge yourself up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I love it. it's kind of like you say, like, if you say like charge, like that can mean so many different things. But like in a military term, it could be like, come on, let's go. Let's fight. Let's let's do this kind of thing. So there is going to be a load of different um, localization things for it. So that might just be the closest for, for, uh, name for it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite songs. It's called Gambare, uh, sung by Sakura Gakuin, who are a uh, like 20-piece schoolgirl band. Oh, what an F. <laughs> yeah, they're not... Uh, my Probably my favorite ones would be AKB48. All their songs are nearly fantastic, whereas a bit risqueness with them, where like this weird kind of attraction to one of their teachers is, is in a song, and it's inappropriate, which seems to be a lot in a lot of Japanese culture. Um <laughs> But uh, and then we have um, who's the other one? Momori Kurova Zedo, uh, who are who are brilliant. But anyway, continue. Anyway, um, I mean, like this, you know, that kind of Japanese music and that style and that very Japanese culture thing you're talking about is this game. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, like that kind of weirdness that you're thinking and you know the numa's describing there that wraps up really closely with this game. So, like, as I was saying, this one, the, the Mythical Ninja starring Goemon, was the fifth in the Goemon series uh, of these games. There were different ones that came out on different devices and stuff like that, but, like, this is the fifth uh, installment of it. Um, and they didn't go, go, call it a numerical number like they did with the other ones. And they didn't call it the Gambare Goemon because they said they wanted it to be um, a, a completely different thing because it was 3D. And they were like, mm. different game, you know, because it's not like you went, oh, Mario, Mario Bros, Mario Bros 2, and then Mario 64 wasn't Mario Bros 3 because it was completely different. Or it would have been 4, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, because they were like, it's a different type of game. This just plays in a different, a different way. Um, mm. the, <laughs> the plot of it, <laughs> it starts <laughs> off, you play as, a, you play as Goemon, and you can have, uh, you can actually place four different characters, which I didn't realize. So, going yeah. on is the main one. Ebi Sumaru is the other one, who yeah, I feel legend. your favorite character, possibly. <laughs> he is uh, personality wise, but uh, my favorite is Ye to, to run around with because she's faster. Well, yeah, she kind of seems like the the serious looking anime character. You know, when you're, yeah. playing, when you're watching anime, it's like, oh no, she's, she's powerful, she's badass, that kind of thing. She's like the yeah. pillow of Dragon Ball Z. That's what she's like. Well, you think so. Then she turns into a mermaid. Well, I don't mean personality-wise, but I mean, you look at the aesthetic and stuff like that, and you can tell it's not quite Krillin, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, and there's also Sasuke, who is like a little mechanical robot ninja. Yeah. <laughs> what more could you want? Seriously. Yeah. Very, very odd game. So at the start of it, you and Ebisumaru, who is this like, 
just he's a comedy character. He's, yeah, he's Wedge. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's like he's short and he's like fat and he runs in an oddly effeminate way. Uh, <laughs> and the game. His are, eyes are always closed. That that's another point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and things like you know, like in games, like you you crouch down, you crawl on the ground. Um, Bioman looks like a weird caterpillar, which you sometimes see in. <laughs> Uh, and Ebisumaru does it, but he's on his back, which doesn't really make any sense. So he's able to move. Um, so he, it's it's very weird. So anyway, so the start of the game is you, Goemon, and Ebisumaru are in a restaurant together, and then you get kicked out because Ebisumaru takes off all of his clothes and tries to get a f- discounted meal with his dance, uh, <laughs> which doesn't work. So it starts with him just wearing like this weird, like red tongue, and then. They look up to the sky, a spaceship shows up and they turn he <laughs> and they turn a Japanese uh, castle into a more westernized kind of looking castle. And the idea is that it becomes a westernized musical theater. Yeah. Yeah. And they want the world to dance. Yes. And the villains are like this ongoing joke of they keep calling them weirdos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a bad translation. Because like every time you you say it, like the, the the text goes huge, and then there's canned laughter after it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, yeah, this game has canned laughter. Yeah, like it's, which is brilliant. So, um, and also one thing which is, I I know, I'll go into the development. We'll go into this stuff later. Anyway, so that's basically the plot of this game. Um, you know, Goemon's quite big in Japan, particularly was bigger before. That's kind of faded off, like as you we were saying the last kind of game that came out from the series really was on the DS in 2005. They did a couple of phone games, a couple of Game Boy games. Um, but realistically, the last Wilder stuff has been like uh, pachinko kind of slot machine games, which are really, really big in Japan. <clears throat> but uh, Yeah. It, it and can I just, a quick word actually, uh, what you're talking about, those pachinko and those gambling games. I It breaks my heart to see all the arcades that were here in Ireland now are just gambling uh, casinos. Uh, you know, there's none of them left anymore. It's just sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is quite sad. It is kind of big in other culture still. But um, I guess at the end of the day, just going and paying money. Because, I mean, like, you know, when arcade machines kind of started, you put in, like, sometimes 20 cents, sometimes 50 cents or whatever. You have to put in a couple of euro now to get a game or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's obviously not worth it. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. That's just, I just want to put that out there. Um. So, yeah, so this kind of, it was kind of disappearing and stuff like that, but this was their foray into the N64, into like the 3D world and stuff like that. Um, there was, as Newman was actually saying earlier on, he was right, they didn't really release a lot of the other games outside of Japan because they just looked at it and they go, this is just a Japanese thing. This is a Japanese culture and humor and, you know, quite surrealist humor as well. So even if you might understand the language, you may not get why it's meant to be funny. Or why it's so absurd? Uh, it might just be like I don't know what's going on. Um, so generally, this kind of game came out uh, to odd kind of reception. Some people liked it. Some people thought it was pretty good. Um, but there was kind of this thing of people going, "If you're not into this, if you're not willing to kind of go, this is a weird game. This is a weird Japanese game. It's not for you." And it was kind of advised for a lot of people to rent it for Blockbuster or from uh, X-Vision or wherever they were in the world uh, mm-hmm. first before they bought it, which I think is part of the reason maybe it didn't do so well. Is that maybe yeah. 
rented the game and it starts off and it's like Japanese text on screen and it's a Japanese singer. <laughs> it's I think people were like going, I don't really understand this. Why is that guy doing a weird dance? Why is there like, like straight away, that's how it starts. Yeah, it starts with, with the song is like Gambare so Gambare. Like it couldn't be more Japanese. Yeah, like very much. It's complete unapologetically that that you know, I I was gonna say stereotypical, but I don't know if it is. I don't know enough about the culture to understand, you know It sounds it sounds like all those animes that you see from the eighties, like you know, giant robots and yeah. these kind of Japanese ballads sung over it, like, you know. So uh, it starts out like that. So I think people they're playing, they're like, I don't know what this is, you know. Um, and remember, <laughs> N64 games were really expensive when we were kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember we played eighty pounds for Turok the Dinosaur Hunter. Eighty pounds back then. I feel like Irish pounds, Irish punt, which was more than the sterling. I think it would have been. I mean, for now, was that more? That more than sterling? Yeah, I always thought it was. I don't know. I thought it certainly was always stronger. Well, probably at points, probably at different points. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it like, I feel like now that would be like 120 quid. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. Probably. Very, very expensive. Like, um, but also the thing is you needed the extra uh, controller pack to even save this game. Yeah. And, and can I just say, I was hugely disappointed when I, when, uh, when Mystical Ninja arrived and I plugged <laughs> it in and I instantly got the warning message that I couldn't save. And I was like, what? And then, of course, I had to go online and buy another one. Uh, it came. It, I got it from Germany. It came. I stuck it in. Broken. Didn't work. Oh, God. So I put in a complaint. And then he sent me another one, which worked. So I, I was probably two and a half weeks waiting for to play this. Sitting there looking at it like a big idiot. It's, it is so unacceptable now. Do you imagine like, selling somebody a game, whatever? I'd be like, oh no, you can't save. You gotta pay extra for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, I remember getting like PlayStation, and like it was so expensive. And then, you know, sometimes you pay extra for an extra controller so you could play things, whatever. Or maybe you got like a multi-tap or something if you wanted to play with a couple of people. And then, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's whatever amount for uh, memory cards. Like I have no more money. Like I've spent yeah. it. I saved up. <laughs> this is it. And like just people playing games like Resident Evil excuse me, over and over and over again, that kind of thing. It's just like, I cannot save this game. It's just, and it's not the kind of game where you can just like keep picking up and going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the games are so different back then, you know? Very different. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, sorry. So this kind of, it, so it didn't really do that well and it was kind of being sold as a, well, not sold, it was advertised by some kind of game magazines here as being a stopgap for Zelda. So Zelda came at the end of 98. So I think people, maybe they were aware of that. They were like, we have to buy this game. Yeah, we have to buy an extra pack to save with it. Um, in a few months, we're going to get the one which was bigger, where like the Zelda games that came before the N64 ones were bigger globally than this. Mm. So maybe that was kind of part of the reason it didn't, it didn't really do so well. Generally, people liked it. Um, and it, it had everything. Like It was just like, it was a 3D platform, as Newman says. You could run around um, and you could like run into water and you could swim and do all that kind of stuff. That the, the thing that just as recently as, you know, two years before that with Mario 64, people were like, wow, this is amazing. You could mm. do all that. Um, it was like based in feudal time Japan. So it was beautiful. You're like in a Japanese um, kind of village and stuff like that. You climb Mount Fuji to get like your uh, kind of equivalent of a hook shot weapon. Um, there's like cherry blossoms everywhere. 
there is like a lot of influences from Japanese culture all over the place. The kind of uh, kabuki theater looks with some things, kind of geisha mm. looks. Um, it was very Japanese all the way throughout it. Um, it was kind of an action adventure game. It wasn't as big as Mario or Zelda, but it, it did seem like it was very, very populated. And they did kind of have a lot of circling back around the same areas again to kind of keep, mm. uh, to keep it a bit longer. But um, yeah. you would finish it much quicker than the others. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't, maybe Mario is a little bit longer, but not by much. And like, you know, playing this again, it's like you see, like the amount of effort that went into this game, like it's a huge game. And like, you know, it's not, it's not in any way, it's like they didn't cut corners anywhere. You know, everything is is really well laid out. Everything is really well polished. Like the camera is, it can be a bit frustrating at times, but I mean, what camera wasn't around that time? Well, this was actually part of the criticism. And I I don't mean this in a bad way. Like I do really, I I cannot believe I didn't love this game as a kid. Um, And I can't believe it's not much bigger than it is. Uh, But they were kind of saying that the camera in Mario 64 worked so well. But whereas with this, it, it kind of, I was watching some playthroughs like just before we did this. And people would like run through a door into a different room and the start of every single next stage would be the camera just mad close up against the door because it wouldn't <laughs> the wall with them. And you didn't yeah. really have full control with it. Um, but, you know, games back then, cameras and cameras now, like sometimes that's, that's just a problem you get with these games. It's mm. not an explanation for why this game isn't, you know, you know, hasn't sold 5 million copies. Yeah. And I like, you have to also contrast like Nintendo versus Konami. You know, Nintendo are, you know, they're huge. And like, you know, yeah. for them to develop a game like Mario, they have the teams and the finances and everything more available to them. I think this is really a uh, a franchise that I think, I still think has a lot of um, potential. Um, you know, if I was a, a millionaire, a billionaire, I'd buy it off Konami and just make games <laughs> and release them everywhere and make them as Japanese as possible because it's lighthearted, it's funny, and I love platformers, I just love them, they're brilliant. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it is like people do love this kind of Japanese thing. And I mean, I, I love Japan, I love Japanese culture and stuff like that, and I do find some of these things like brilliant. I, I was actually, I was, uh, do you ever see um, those like Japanese prank shows on YouTube and stuff like that? I remember seeing one where they go to a, uh, a bathhouse and mm-hmm. they're just after coming out of like a sauna or an onsen or something and they sit down in these like relaxing kind of chairs and it's in like a ski resort and they don't know what's happening uh, and when they pull back the lever to kind of recline this chair it actually flips the entire chair around right and the chairs the back of it's up against the wall <laughs> So you flip outside of the building into the snow and you're locked outside <laughs> and you're just in like a towel. Um, and it's just it's like insane prank show that you could not do anywhere else. Uh, it's like the original Takeshi's Castle. It's like, how did they get away with getting people to run on those stones? I know. Seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, like that is a whole punishing ignorance thing. Like, you know, they just, I don't know. Uh, for a, a culture that seems to sue a lot of people, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of personal injury claims uh, put out there. Yeah, they seem to have a laugh with it. Um, but it, it was just like that kind of weird thing of like, oh, look at him. He's naked and he's running around in the snow. Isn't that really funny? Like that is this kind of, that, that is the, this humor of, the, of these kind of games. And this is what they were 
putting out. Um, so they did eventually do a sequel, as Juma says, Goemon's Great Adventure or Mystical Ninja 2 starring Goemon. Um, yeah. I tried to buy that. It was like gold dust online. Quite rare. Yeah, they're both quite rare. It came out a year later. Yeah, ah, all the good ones like Broken Sword seem to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if they were kind of reused love assets stuff. It looks pretty similar. Um, but yeah, very rare, very rare game. So if you do see any of them on your uh, online eBay travels, I recommend you pick them up and send them to me. I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Thought you were talking to the listeners. Yeah, I will. Um, I actually really like the N64. I, I love it. Like I, I, mean, I remember there was a lot of controversy over the pad at the start. I think it's really good. You know, um, like if you're using it, you know, in a specific way, but. Yeah, it's probably it's probably my favorite console, probably. I think better I got, PlayStation original. I I, I got to go for PlayStation Two because you can play all the PlayStation games on it as well. Yeah, well, okay, fair enough. But I don't think they released this game on any of the virtual consoles or anything. So I think to play it, you have to get an N sixty four. Really, I'm sure you can get a ROM. Yeah. Oh, you can get a ROM. Yeah, of course you can get a ROM. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no re-release officially, from what yeah. I understand. Um, but yeah, um, are you are you done with the development? Are you anything else? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. There, I mean, there is things about the the gameplay and stuff like that, but maybe you know, I'll throw in some things as you're going on about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I think the, the main thing that, I, like I was saying, that I, I really remember about this is just how wacky and funny it was, and the soundtrack is also brilliant. This is a soundtrack that I have on my phone directly. You heard that right. You know, it's not on Spotify. It's downloaded onto my phone, so no matter where I am, I can listen to it. Um, um, it's 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 absolutely fabulous. But um, what was I going to say to you? Uh, oh, I can't remember. That's eh, not conducive for a podcast. Um, yeah. Okay. So listen, I will do a bit on the gameplay since yeah. um yeah but so basically as Yusuf was saying that you could pick four characters, which is Goemon, uh, Ibitsimaru. Uh, Sasuke and Ye um, and the, the thing that I really loved about this game is the fact that you just press a button on the pad and like a puff of smoke appears and you instantly transform into that other character yeah. um, and it was kind of like the, the locations were blocked off until you like unlocked a specific ability with a certain character yeah. so Goemon uh, has a chain pipe that he fights with and you eventually get a chain pipe that kind of uh, extends and then you can kind of attach to blocks and pull yourself over like um you know, platforms and stuff like that. Um, he could also throw coins. That's such a weird Japanese thing. I mean, it seems to be in a lot of games where you can throw coins. Do you notice that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's got like, kind of like a ninja sort of thing of, you know, it's just a lot of things that people have on them to distract. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up out of nowhere. Actually, you remind me of a, a, it's a kind of YouTube recommended this uh, show for me called uh, Asian Boss. Have you ever seen it? No. It's like people going around Japan and stuff or like meeting people and like just finding out what they do and what their story is. And like they went to like the last ever surviving ninja. And oh, like wow. he, he was probably like, I'd say 70 years old, if not older. And like, uh, you know, he, he keeps like constantly correcting. And he was like, you know, people think ninjas, uh, you know, uh, like are like in the movies like you know it's like you you have to be stealthy like you know it's like you should avoid all fighting if you can you're basically trying to just get news around the place you know oh, um yeah but it was kind of sad because like it was he was like you know have you ever do you have any apprentices and he was like no you know but um 
Yeah, so Go- Goemon is kind of he 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 can also turn um, Super Saiyan. Yeah, which is really <laughs> like yeah. it. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was like a photoshopped joke hair. Because yeah, literally stick the big bit <laughs> of like Goku's hair when he's <laughs> onto his head. Yeah, and then he can move blocks, uh, heavier blocks. Yeah. Um, Ibisumaru has like a hammer which I really love because the sound it makes when it hits something is just very satisfying and the way he prances around. And uh, for, for some reason, he also has an ability that allows him to shrink into a very yeah. small person. And uh, there's a, one of the levels in this is really funny. It's like you're in a cupboard, like you shrink and you're in a cupboard hiding behind a salt shaker and other other food items and there's a, a real sized person looking for something and every time he comes in you have to be hiding behind something so he doesn't see you brilliant um yeah <laughs> what you're saying about the sound um when he hits him with the hammer all the like sound effects in this game i love they're all so satisfying you know that like it's like i don't know what the instrument is like the japanese instrument they have it's like a like a hollow wooden pipe like hitting off something else yeah yeah that no i love that everywhere like every time you like you know if you get like pick up an item or it's it is it's just the sound of this game is japan yeah it, that's 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 the main thing in your head is, is japan japan all over um and then you had sasuke who was your little uh robot ninja yeah. um he did stuff like he could throw um i don't know the name of it but it's like uh, not a strong star what's that they're called kunai the little knife. Oh, okay. Yeah, Kunai. Sorry, that's it. Yeah. Um, and then he could also get bombs that could blow up like um, walls and stuff. And then you had Ye, who was, as we said, kind of the most more serious, serious character who looks like she's actually from an anime, not just a caricature. Um, she had a flute that could call a dragon, which would bring you around the areas, yeah. uh, fly you to an area quickly. And then she could also turn into a mermaid. Uh, she had a sword, but yeah, she would she would run around. I don't know if she would run around the fastest, or it's just her animation made her look like she did. Um, yeah. Because like a Bisumaru, tallest character as well, like which I think maybe that made her seem like she was, um, or at least she appeared to be the tallest, you know, because like that, yeah, that massive head. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but like the the things that I kind of remember the most about it was just how how funny it was and how odd it was, as we were saying. So there, there's a narrator in this game as well who just like breaks the fourth wall, and for some reason his uh his uh, what's the word his emoji like it, you see his little face when he's talking and, and it's an elephant. <laughs> like I just don't understand you know what the connection is there maybe with some japanese cultural thing but anyway uh and then like you had a lot of uh, a lot of different levels um a lot of dungeons a lot of the stuff you a lot of the time you're just running across like the japanese countryside you know with like the cherry blossom trees and these weird kind of like just the head of a dragon as an enemy or these yeah. weird kind of cartoony blobs or um weird and, uh, balls or something like that yeah weird balls and like your energy like to refill your energy bar you could get these i don't know how to describe them they kind of look like kebabs but they're colorful do you know that kind of japanese food that they have on a skewer and there's balls and like a triangle thing at the top yeah um i guess like a kebab is kind of the way there is a name for it i can't remember it right now um yeah. but yeah it's like a, a skewered bit of uh like different things on them it's like like you know, yeah yeah like the little triangular rice cakes and stuff like that. exactly exactly 
yeah so that's what you get for your energy um then there was uh there was also a level where you were in a submarine and listen i i you're not allowed to go back truth seeker to a past episode and give out about a time that i complained about there being food in a level such as mario odyssey because i enjoyed it in this game and that's because it was in a submarine <laughs> ah yes that very important uh, division uh, yeah if there's a food level and it's in submarine that's fine if it's in the if it's in any other world it's it's unacceptable i don't know if it's just a thing of uh, like it's a different culture so i'm looking at it but japanese video games and anime and stuff like that they put their food in it so much and it's just i mean t- to me it's the best cuisine japanese food is the tastiest food it's got the best variety of different things it's absolutely brilliant and yeah it always looks so good it looks so good in these games like mm. or in these like shows as well we like they've got like a big you know bowl of rice or like sushi they're eating or just like a bit of fish that's been like fried or you know cooked on a fire or something it's just it looks delicious they love their food sure do you not see it that uh do you know that really famous japanese fish market yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I think that actually closed and they opened it again somewhere else. But uh, it was like, you know, their tuna fish are gone for like a couple of million yeah, dollars. Because you take them to like their, you know, the high end um, Japanese restaurants and stuff like that. And they'd like kind of make them the day. Like your man, Jiro, used to have them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, is he still alive, Jiro? He's still alive, but they've uh, kind of removed his. If anybody doesn't know, this is the Netflix show um, documentary. Jiro was it Jiro dreams of sushi yeah about the five star five Michelin star uh, restaurant in Japan in Tokyo as like this tiny little place um, they recently got their Michelin stars taken away from them because oh. it's um, it's so kind of high end and exclusive and stuff like that you can't normal people can't get in anymore and uh. stars are only for places that are open to the public Ah, okay, okay. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, um, like, like when Obama was in Japan and stuff and he's eating sushi, that's that place. That's the Jiro. Ah, wow. <laughs> it's, that's, a, that's the thing I love about like Japan. It's like everything seems to be like an experience. You know, it's like they kind of couple like drinking with meals and like, you know, the, the matcha tea ceremonies, you know. It's like there's all this kind of like weird formal um, like ritualisticness to it all, you know, which I just, I don't know. It's really cool. They're they're just soaked in 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 culture, you know. Yeah, well, it's because they like um they didn't let other cultures in for so long that they just completely developed their own. So it's yeah, like they have so much of their like, you know, they don't have like one type of food they do, and then you know, oh, they all drink like Indian tea or Chinese tea or something like that. They've got loads of their own stuff because they kind of closed off their borders for such a long time. So they developed their version of everything. And it's brilliant. It's all delicious. Yeah. Well, sushi is apparently originated in China. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. If you look it up. But um, I, I love sushi. I love Japanese food. But uh, actually, we should say that Gambare uh, Goemon uh, is actually uh, loosely based on a real person um, called Ishikawa Goemon who was born in 1558 and lived to 1594. And he was kind of like the Japanese version of Robin Hood. Oh, right. Um, I did hear this connection, yes. Yeah, so he like robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. Now, 
Goimon does not do that in this game or any of the other games that I know about. But um, yeah, he was uh, he he was a ninja as well. Um, but uh, he apparently died by being boiled alive. Oui. Yeah. So that's that's always a side of the Japanese culture that uh, I don't enjoy. You know, they seem to have the most creative ways to make someone suffer at the same time. So yeah. Anyway, and, uh, there is some pretty gruesome medieval things happens. Yeah. Us, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, boiled alive. Oh God! But anyway, uh, this guy man is much more lighthearted, so you know you don't need to look him up. Um, yeah. So what else have I got on this? Uh, obviously, there was just the, like the gameplay was really fluid, and you know the way you moved um, was 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 really fun. Like the the these songs kind of stick in your head as well. There's something that I find myself humming all the time, and <laughs> the music. The music is really, really great, and just just how wacky it was. Um, but it is basically just a platformer, and you know what? You don't need a big convoluted The Last of Us uh, story. You know, you can just have these alien people who come in and they want to turn your Japanese castle into Western castle. That's enough. You know, Captain K rules stealing your bananas. That's enough. You know, sometimes you don't need need all this crap, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, games are different. You know, very different games are for very different fields. So I think it's quite, if you want to say, you know, oh, I love this game or this is my, my favorite game ever. Like there's games you cannot compare. Like just sometimes you might play a four hour long story and you love every moment of it. But you're like, I don't know if I call it my best game ever. Mm. You know, games are different. And I think the way to enjoy this game, particularly if you do not understand the jokes and the references and the humor in it, is to just kind of go, okay, it's weird. I'm going to laugh at the stuff which I think is funny and I'm just going to go and do it and that's and that's fine. And if it's enjoyable to play, then that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a demand for this game economy and whoever else wants to buy the franchise. If you want to give me the money, I'll buy it and let's work on a game together. This is my come and get me plea for this episode. If anyone wants to hire me, I'm here. Right. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so I want you to give me your money <laughs> and then hire me. To work on a game, I don't know what you get out of it, but you know it'll be fun. Promise you that. Um, yeah. Also, there's another really funny thing that I found is the fact that like the enemies. Do you, do you know what they call Goimon? No. They call him Fernandez. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. And, like I just don't understand. Like <laughs> where to start with that? You know why they think his name is Fernandez and why they chose Fernandez of all the names out there? You know. I don't know. I do like. I don't know. It's such like, yeah. I I don't get the jokes. I don't know what they're going for. I don't know why they're they're aiming for it and stuff like that. Like as we said, they are just the weirdos as they're known. Yeah, and I think that it's really funny that um, you know how Japanese it is, and the fact that Goiman is trying to protect Japan from not being Japanese. You know, like by stopping these guys and turning it to a Western castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what else was I going to say about it? So it, it like I just think the ambience in this game, like the atmosphere, is really cool. The music is really good. Um, it's a light-hearted game. It's a game you can just pick up and play very quickly. Um, and it is like like there's a lot going on in it. There's a lot of mini games in it as well that were a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
and like it, it definitely like the boss battles were a lot of fun as well and um, i particularly remember like climbing mount fuji that was that was that was really fun and there's a point in this game the only point that kind of annoyed me in this game was the part where you it's a really cool idea it's like there's this flying dragon that you eventually get over to your side who's kind of being like uh mind controlled and um you're, you're traveling up his back fighting enemies all the way up him yeah 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 uh, but there was like there's a few glitches on that you'll just fall off immediately or you'll fall off as soon as an enemy hits you because you you basically disappear uh, when you're hit and like your your body no longer has mass and therefore you fall through the dragon pretty much yeah uh, which was uh, yeah 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 that was a point that i do remember being annoyed at but apart from that i just really really enjoyed it it was it was a lot of fun and as you said earlier you had the parts where you were playing as impact and uh like he like he's this giant robot that looks exactly like goyman he yeah. like appeared he for some reason i think he's going on holiday to france the robot Okay. And and yeah, and every time he appears, like a director comes in and like you know he he sucks you into his mouth with a with a laser beam, and then you become him. And that was a really cool part to this game that I remember is like you. There's a part where you're just uh, you're kind of skating along and going through houses and going through like breaking through like smashing through houses and trees and enemies, and then you kind of go to like this first person view, yeah, where yeah, you can awesome. let. Yeah, the boss battles where you can see from inside. And I remember that really well as a kid playing it. I was like, How, what am I supposed to do? This is impossible. Uh, as an adult, I figured it out. Like, because I don't really, there's no hand holding in this at all. You don't know what you can do. You just have to mess around and you figure out that you have this grappling hook that you have to grapple onto the enemy to stop him from attacking you. And then you punch him a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. And then he goes flying off. But it was just, ah, it's just so, so much fun like to, to put that in there. I really love that part. Yeah, I think um also I think when you were like skating around like he had roller skates basically on the bottom of the giant road. Yeah. Exactly. Going to like trees and houses, like the more you wrecked, I think the more health you had or something before you got onto the Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is like yeah. a fun kind of thing, because like you're in a giant robot, let's get some destruction kind of stuff, because that that's good fun. Doesn't make yeah. sense canonically though. No idea why he's just <laughs> Exactly, um, and then the, the the other thing I remember, like, there's a lot of funny things in this game. But I remember there was a part where you have to get this guard to get out of your way to get into like the next area. I yeah. can't remember. I think you have to get him a fish or something. I can't remember what you had to do. But yeah. um, when he gets out of your way, then he's like, oh, "Okay, now I'm just gonna have to wait here until you finish the game." Oh yeah, yeah. Just like a fourth wall breaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just really funny. Um, and then there's another part where there's this old guy on top of a mountain and he wants you to rig him magazines. Like in the Japanese version, it was like um like porn magazines. Uh and but in the West it was like motor motor like motoring magazines, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's like every Japanese kind of thing has of like a weird perverted old guy character yeah. like you know got nosebleeds at every opportunity and stuff. <laughs> true and actually uh ibisu maru is, is described as a pervert as well for some reason and I, i'm or not really sure never see him run <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he's very popular with the ladies i mean they love him in the game you know just his character all right <laughs> i mean in 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 that universe <laughs> right okay okay i didn't know if yeah you're just a big fan of him outside 
No, um, but yeah, the, 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 just really, really funny things in this game. So, I mean, if you, I don't know, guys, if you can pick up a ROM, but um, definitely pick it up on the N64. And I will also try and pick up a second game if I have the chance to play it. I love games like this. I love games like this. So, you know, if it's if one of my Ring any bells to you, or if you, if you don't have a really clear memory of it, I'd say just like go onto YouTube and just have a look at a bit of a playthrough of it. And yeah, I just like think about, even if you think of like a a, a less popular N sixty four game like uh like Donkey Kong sixty four or Banjo Kazooie, I know they're huge, but you know what I mean. They weren't quite um, Mario sixty four level in in sales. And just look at how similar this game was, and mm. you know, the things it did, and how much fun it looks like it, it was. Because it, it it really just I don't understand how it wasn't this much much bigger game. Should have been definitely. Yeah. Uh, there's another part that I remember that was hilarious. It, like I think the developers knew that like this doesn't this doesn't hold your hand at all. Like there's a lot of lots of times where you don't know what you're supposed to do. Like you do something like okay, uh, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. So they they put in this kind of fortune teller guy, um, yes. and it is so weird. It's like you go into this little area, and there's these people dancing around, and then he appears on a stack of hay with a bag on his head, uh, wearing just a thong. And, and this is what he says. And he says that multiple times when you're talking to him. Do you know what he's saying there? No. Any idea? No, no idea. He's saying plasma. <laughs> plasma. <laughs> All right. Plasma. I don't know why he's called Plasma Man, I think. But I have to break a two-syllable word into a four. Plasma. It's like I, I, I just they have they seem to put plasma in their games a lot. What does that even mean? I don't know. Doesn't it kind of come from like the um, like the kind of eighties kind of, uh, cartoon, the kind of writer thing? Wasn't he like the name of plasma in his name somewhere? I, I never I no idea what you're talking about. Oh, was it? Uh, let me look at this. Um, what was it called? No, I can't find it. I'll keep looking. Okay, right. Yeah, so and anyway, Mr. Plasma will tell you, give you hints on what to do next if you give him 10 of your hard-earned dollars or whatever it's called in this game. And that was... Heyman Ryder, that's what I'm thinking of. What's his name? Heyman Ryder. Do you remember this? No. Heyman Ryder was like from the uh, 70s. It's like the action kind of thing. It, it looked like the old... Uh, Power Rangers. Oh, and he said plasma. I thought he did. I thought that was like a big part of it. Or like it was in that kind of idea of, you know, super powered kind of thing. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, but this was that was something that I uh that I remember very well. But um before I move on to music, you suck. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about at this game? Um I think you kind of got like a good uh, a good part of it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that about the guy yelling plasma and stuff like that. But the mm-hmm. voiceover tracks in this, the fact that the music had singing in it, the fact that characters talk to you and stuff, it seemed like it was so much more than what was out at the time. You know, it was more than just Bowser having his laugh in Mario or Navi saying, hey, listen, you know, like there was a lot. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> there was a there was like a lot of voices and stuff like some characters you would talk to and they would say whatever. And I think even like when uh, Goemon jumps and stuff, 
Cinema de Mario, he go like, yip, 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 yeah, he talked. There is, there's audio on this. There's real talking in this. Yeah, he talks like that, which is you know really different. You know, or it yeah, seemed like it was pretty big because game characters didn't really talk. They never really said words. You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this game they did. You know, and, and it was huge. And the music was like CD quality, pretty much, which is weird for a cartridge. You know, like usually you you, you music on these kind of games sounds very blocky for lack of a better word you know um yeah exactly and it didn't on this it was really beautiful so you know yeah good no, good, good work on me a lot in it um also just before we go into the music and stuff just that the uh outside of like the video games there was like an attempt to do like an anime series of this of goemon i think they only did two mm. episodes didn't really work out um there was a longer running manga though oh yeah yeah that that, that is that still gone do you know I don't think it is anymore. No. Ah, it's, it's a great franchise. Someone pick it up. Come on. I mean, Do it. Played, Do it now. You played one game out of like 20-something. Listen, I know, I know potential when I see it. This has lots <laughs> of potential. Lots of potential. This could be Hey Kitty Big, Gabby Hayes Big. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, please, go on then. Okay, so as as you were saying, the music was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, it was a uh, dual, uh, not dual. Uh, how do you say four? It's a quadruple uh, effort by four different composers, Ooh. and I, I was amazed to, to see this because you know it's it's rare you see that. But uh, I'm gonna try and pronounce all their names. So forgive me, if I get it wrong. And um, so uh, the first was uh, Shigeru Araki, not to be confused with Taki. Then we have we have Yusuke Kato, not to be confused with. Jigo. We had Psycho Miki, not to be confused with. Tiger Knee. And oh. yes, <laughs> that was the worst one. Oh, right. And then uh, Yasumasa Kitagawa, not to be confused with. Katsuya Mishima. Oh, man. <laughs> You know, when I was researching this game, I was just hoping for one name and, you know, <laughs> I couldn't get it. So, unfortunately. But listen, co- collectively, they did a fantastic job. The music is absolutely brilliant. It is a mix of like Japanese. It's so Japanese and it's also mixed with a lot of kind of modern um, electronic beats at certain parts of it. And yeah. um, then you had the real... Um, the real singing parts, like the ballad songs that we were saying, like the theme, and then uh, impacto as well. Um, so I have a couple of songs here, as I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the first one I'm going to play is a song. I just love the title of this because it's played in the shops. It's called Buy or Leave. Right. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> I love them. It's just I don't know. I think yeah. what you were saying of just to be in that world, you know. It's just, yeah, it's it's really relaxing and it's really joyful. It is. Um. So number two is Farm Village Legend.
you couldn't get more Japanese than that, could you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's just yeah. real throughout the whole game. Yeah. And this one, the next one is Heartbeat Bossa Nova. listen to that and click your fingers in a hotel lobby somewhere couldn't you i could imagine you just sitting on the bus coming home with that playing through your head <laughs> i know sometimes you know when i listen to the music i do you know i do wonder what people think <laughs> when I listen to. you know because i just you know i probably don't look like someone who appreciates this kind of music but I just anyway. don't want your earphones to come out at that moment. <laughs> yeah, that that's a real fear. That's why I don't get uh, Bluetooth earphones. <laughs> I always fear that they'll disconnect and you know, it'll just go on speaker. <laughs> and they'll that. hear monkeys uh, grunting. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rap? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so the next one is The Journey Begins on Mount Fuji. There's something so clean about all the sounds that it's yeah. fine. That's not saying the quality is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Okay. So um, the next one is the theme of Mystical Ninja, which was uh, the Gamare one. So yeah. this is what plays at the start. Um, so I'm going to play a bit of this. Okay, here we go. imagine not knowing what this game was and that plays at the very start of it like, uh, i think that's what what i think it says i think you know people rented the game before they dropped a lot of money on it this first thing that happened after a completely japanese like text image and then people go i don't know what this is and i love how i love i always love the fact that they do this always in japanese songs like they sing something in japanese and they say an english word and if you hear the first uh he's like he's saying japanese and like we're going now it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, everything else is japanese i'm gonna read you the english translation of that song all right so here we go it's fight on fight on never giving up let's start our journey as we whistle along going now <laughs> 
going now? Well, look at the sky peeping through the clouds. You can see just how big the sky really is. <laughs> Even if the harsh winds were to take you away, live your life the way you want it. <laughs> this is the destiny for many. <laughs> fight on, fight on. There is more than one dream. If you reach for it hard enough, take a chance. <laughs> fight on, fight on. Never giving up. Let's start our journey as we whistle along. Going now. <laughs> This is the motivational words I say to myself every morning in the mirror. <laughs> uh, okay, so the last one is um, uh, I uh, impacto. I am impacto. Um, instead of uh, playing you this, I thought I'd sing this to you. All right then. Go so on. here we go. Yukizo hashin mashin ga unaru. No, I mean. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Lovely. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the actual song now, um, which is one of my favorites. Um, just how wacky it is, and then I'll give you the translation. So this is I am impacto. Right. brilliant it's class <laughs> it's absolutely amazing and then he has uh the kids singing in the second part of it in the background with them it's just how do and if uh, people have to realize that this song just comes on every time the robot appears <laughs> you know it's not like played once at the start of the game like you know every you just hear that dash 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 and then it goes into it oh yeah. i oh, i love it i absolutely love it i uh, God bless you, economy, for doing this. Um, yeah, so the, the, lyrics, the lyrics of that song, uh, the translation, I should say, are obviously dash, dash, dash. Uh, the burning sun gleaming on my shoulders. Here we go. The machine comes alive. I am machinery. I am a metal being. Hey, jump out onto the sky. Steel spirit, let's go. <laughs> Break down and with all my might, Power to the highest limit. Super punch. I am the best. Yes. Impacto. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really good job of describing what the robot is. And how <laughs> uh, I love. Huh? I see no problems with any of that. <laughs> exactly. It makes perfect sense. Uh, you, you just need badly translated games. If someone could give me, you know, just really badly, you know, counterfeit 
awful games. That'd be brilliant. I'd love that. Um, okay, so now onto the best part of the show, even though it's hard to to you know to go to to override impact. I mean, the, yeah. for me, that's that's number one. Um, the quiz. Do you have anything else you want to say before we go to the quiz? Um, no, just um, the overall about this game. So I I can't believe how. Because even with me, it didn't have that same staying power. Like, I had a bit of a memory of it. Then as I watched back the stuff, things started to come back to me. So um, I just recommend anybody just has like a look at it. Just, you know, you know, open up a tab, have a few Google images of it um, and just look at this game. And it seems like it should have been along the lines of all those other brilliant, brilliant games. Um, and it just it deserves a bit more praise, I think. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I think this is going to be a game that's going to be like a... a rare isn't the word a collector's item kind of you know because of how few copies it sold in the west it is pretty uh, rare at the moment uh, yeah yeah um but yeah love it this is me if 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 i could be rolled into a game this would be it so um okay so time for the quiz test your might let's say i want a hammer do you know what a hammer is okay are you ready? You have one episode of King of the Hill you keep going back to, or do you like, you know, a full, are you going through the whole season every time, just picking out things that you like? I can't reveal my sources, you know that. <laughs> um, okay, so you've kind of ruined it for me, because my first question was, of the 44 Goyman games, how many have been released outside of Japan? But you've already answered that. Well, then so, What? No, 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 no. It can't answer something that you already know. Right. Go on. So I'll tell you, I'm going to, on the fly, make up another question for you um, as your first question. Okay, so let's see. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go to the second question before I, because I have to look up something to find this. Okay, so question, we'll consider this question number one. Right. In the Western, and I've given you multiple choice because you're so bad at, at quizzes. Right. So, in the Western release of The Legend of Mystical Ninja, what were Goiman and Ibisimaru's name changed to? Is it A, Kid Ying and Dr. Yang, B, Habusan and Psycho-chan, or C, Blue Ninja and Foodman? In the Western release? In the Western release of The Legend of the Mystical Ninja, the one on the SNES. Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Do you want me to give you the names again? I'm going to go for the what was it, the yin and yang one. Yes. <laughs> well done. I thought it's so kid ying and Dr. Yang. <laughs> like it just sounds so fake, you know. Why did they make Ebisumaru a doctor? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. So. You're not a doctor. Do not take yeah. any medication from this man. Exactly. Um, okay, so... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get you the second question on the fly. So to buy myself more time, um, I will give you the other question I had. Okay, so... Question number two. Uh, Goemon characters have appeared in what other series? Is it A, Yu-Gi-Oh! B, Pokemon? Or C, Digimon. Oh. oh. I'm going to say Digimon. Oh. 
Afraid not. Afraid not. It was Yu-Gi-Oh. Really? Ah. Oh. In the card game. Yeah. Yeah. What well, their characters in the card game, really? Yeah. Exactly. Ah, right. Right. I was, gonna, I was thinking Digimon because Digimon's actually set in like a modern Japan. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. it wasn't. So. That's yes. what you get. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is question number three. How much did I pay for my copy of Mystical Ninja when I bought it? How is this uh, a question on the quiz? <laughs> on the 8th of June, 2018. <laughs> Do you want me to give you amounts? Yeah, you have to give me multiple choice. Okay, okay. So 20 sterling, 32 sterling, or 38 sterling? 32. Oh. No, 20 sterling. That's a steal, actually. That is a steal. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let me see. What else do we have here? Okay. You'll receive a nice bonus when the work is done. Bonus question. Okay. So Peach Mountain Shogun's henchmen, who are the enemies in this game, yes. is for them. What are their names? Uh, it's, I'll give you a clue. It's Sharon, Baron, Paran, and what's the last one? Wasn't one of them called like Spring Dancing? Mm, is that your answer? <laughs> uh, I thought that was named one of the weirdos. Well, the four henchmen that you fight, they're uh, called Shar- Sharon, Baron, Poran, and uh i'm gonna go with the spring breeze dancing oh no. it's colon colon yeah a colon pal yeah well no c-o-l-o-n like your colon right okay okay so i'm afraid this week i can't say you steam a good ham so. You never say it. No, well, that's your fault, not mine. I mean, that's not how much you paid for a game in two years. Ago. <laughs> that was only one of the questions. Um, yeah, God, no, I didn't know. We just like there's so many because this game is so like based off other things. Like as we were saying, uh, going on, it was like an actual like Robin Hood character, and Ebisumaru may have been named after the director whose surname was Ebisu. So ah. the name from him and stuff like that. Sasuke is like kind of a legendary um, kind of character as well, like Sasuke from Naruto, same kind of thing. Um, mm. so I was quite—I had no idea what was information from the game, what was lore from the game, what was completely irrelevant information that they just threw into it and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, which is all the kind of stuff like obviously, if you knew Japan, you would know these things. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but yeah, I really recommend people play this game. It's not a nostalgia only. It's really playable, really fun, really enjoy, um, really enjoyable. So if you can find it, and I, I'm pretty sure you'll find it on eBay. 20 sterling wasn't too bad. So, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. What you pay for a modern game? 60 yeah. quid. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, at least, I mean, I usually, I mean, if you can't buy the game and you, you know, I'd say go for a ROM, you know what I mean? Because honestly, mm-hmm. there's no way for you to give them money for the thing. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, um, particularly if you bought it before. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, how were you able to play the N64? Did you get another adapter to plug the pipe cable in? No, I bought a whole new console. 
But I mean, for the TV to connect to your TV. Oh, uh, I happen to have an old a TV that had that uh, AV wire. Weirdly, really? All right. Yeah, yeah, and I, it wasn't that old a TV. I think it's probably five, six years old. Really, and I had the cable for it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes. No. Was it the SCART I used? Oh, I can't remember. But it definitely it's original to the N sixty four whatever I used. Right, because the N sixty four doesn't have a SCART, does it? Okay, no. Well, then it was the AV one. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I did have some problems with it though. Um, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, but um, generally it would. I wonder actually, do they have something that you can convert it now? I'd they do, do they? I'd say they do now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I've actually told you yet that um, for my birthday, Sarah is going to bring me to Japan. Um, oh, yeah. So I will. I'll, I'll go to Akibara. I'll go to like whatever Super Potato, and I'll look out for some Goemon things. Or you can buy like secondhand N sixty four there's for like really cheap. That's wow, get some stuff, some Goemon stuff. When are you going? Whenever the bloody pandemic ends. Uh, actually I saw someone I forgot to say this that when they were in Japan they wanted to buy the Goemon soundtrack uh, and and it was extremely rare guess how much the price tag was oh it was like 900 quid wasn't it yeah you saw the video as well oh my god it's insane ridiculous it's rare you know it's just like Mm. you know it's a 20 I mean because even for Japan like selling 150,000 copies isn't that much yeah yeah Hold on, the games the game sold more than 150,000 there, didn't it? It only sold 200,000 worldwide. Oh my god, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Oh god, yeah, Jesus. How yeah. did it not sell more than that? In, only 141,000 in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It is just, I don't, like, I don't get it. Maybe it's just a weird time. Maybe people are more hyped about Zelda. Um... I don't know. It it is it is quite an odd one. Mm. Uh, well, maybe this is as you were saying because it was Konami and it wasn't Nintendo. Yeah, uh, I it, this is. Uh, I'm really happy I played this game, and I'm, I'm not I'm not one of the people who missed out on it. Um, I mean, so. just, like there's weird games like Parasite Eve and stuff like that, which were just brilliant games that just didn't you know make any waves um, outside. And I guess there's there's just a lot of really good games, particularly at this time when like if you had uh, a PlayStation and an N64, you know, mm-hmm. make some choices of what games you wanted and didn't want to play. Mm, yeah. I guess some stuff just maybe fell through the cracks and this was one of them. Yeah, and actually now that I was looking at the sales there on the Wikipedia page, I just seen uh, this very funny line. Mystical Ninja's localization was criticized often. The plot and poorly translated jokes tended to confuse players. A critic for the Tampa Tribute wrote, upon popping in the cartridge and listening to the opening theme song, you you realize something about this game. It's Japanese. (laughs) 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 Fabulous. Uh, That's not necessarily... A localization problem, you know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, or we had to re- basically, if you want to make something, they're just completely rewrite and redesign stuff. It's like, well, no, because it, it's true to its culture, you know? Yeah. And actually, it says here that they thought that they, they did a good job for the sheer amount of Japanese jokes and innuendo that only, you know, the Japanese people would know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Brilliant, brilliant game. Uh, okay, so that's all we have for this week. Um, uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. 
Um, I hope we'll have an episode next week as well. Uh, as always, questions and comments are very welcome. You suck. Hit them with the email address. It is press the action button pod at gmail.com. Yes. So please, uh, you know, um, send us emails, questions, comments, um, praise, Any rate us. So mixed tracks that you want to send in would also be appreciated. As long as they, yeah, if they're abusive. No. <laughs> give, give, give me a break. I'm getting a lot of focus with this Tom Hanks thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's all I have. Until then, guys, um, take care. Okay. Bye. Yeah. And remember, until next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>